Welcome in everyone to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a member of the 1012 Podcast Network, and you can find all the coverage of the Big 12 over at 1012network.com. And I'll start to remind you, this podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. They are a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. They want you to be the best dressed fan all year long. So be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today and show off your school spirit all the year long with more than 30 schools to choose from they've got you covered with all of your collegiate apparel needs and you can get 15 percent off of any non-sale item by using the code 101215 at checkout that's ten one two one five. shop today over at charliehustle.com charlie hustle vintage made fresh my name is gerald give it a jarman host this week like i am every week and i'm joined by a man who always sings the ou sucks part of the song kyle carpenter kyle are you <laughs> you know i I've never really thought about it, but I, I, I don't, and it's not because I hate it or I'm mad if people do that. I, it feels special. I like to save it up, so it's kind of, uh, you know, it's special uh, when we do it the weeks leading up to currently of or right after uh, playing Oklahoma. I, I am not a every week OU sucks guy. I don't mind if you are. That's okay. Um, they do. They suck. It's fine to remind them. Um, Gerald, where do you fall? Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a go horns go mm. kind of guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I am a middle van driving dad in my late 30s, mm-hmm. so that feels pretty appropriate for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the OU sucks does come out the week of OU games, and obviously, uh, anytime Texas plays and beats OU, we get an OU sucks mm-hmm. in there. But yeah, I'm a go horns go kind of guy. You know, I, I, I'm at the point in my life where I'm taking my young children to the game, and um, the uh, make them eat something is not something. I'm going to scream in front of my children. That's fair. It's just not really how I'm wired. But that's that's usually uh, where I fall in the debate. No, that, that, that's fair. Um, but tonight, Gerald, we're going to talk a little bit about the fact that OU does, in fact, they, they suck. It is 8.38 p.m. Central Standard Time, January 23rd, 2024. And OU still sucks, specifically sucks, on the hardwood. Texas goes into Norman. And gets its second consecutive ranked win. The ladies getting back to form. They went on the road to get a win as well. Track and field got a big weekend. Uh, the tennis team dropped a heartbreaker. A lot of tennis happened over the weekend. We've obviously got a, a packed burnt orange legends for you. And then we'll close the show out with Godzilla Tron and bang the drum. But we'll start with the men on the hardwood. Texas goes 2-1 and one on the week the way we drew it up. Uh, hosted UCF and Baylor and uh, dropped the UCF game, but won on a buzzer beater against number nine, Baylor, 75 to 73, and then decided, you know what? A ranked win in the Big 12 was hard enough to come by. Let's do it even harder by doing it on the road. Went to Norman and put the boots to number 11 OU, 75 to 60 for back-to-back wins against ranked teams and picking up a road win, pulling to 500 on the conference season and uh, really salvaging and keeping a season from coming completely off the tracks. Yeah, I mean, you said it. It's it's the weirdest way to get to 2-1 and one this week. Um, <laughs> the horns, I'll say, were, were down and then they were up. Um, I'll leave that there. Uh, may talk about that one later, but yeah, it, the UCF loss was, was bad. It was, it was not a good one. 
at home horns were up by as much as 16 in that one um led for 34 minutes in that one and just just faded late just looked bad 31 to 12 run over the final 12 minutes for UCF to give them that win they they took it they came into the horns house and took it something people haven't been able to do in the in the mood um Rodney Terry had his comments there was you know horns down were all over whatever they cleansed it they cleansed what felt like a season lost at that point and they, it's like just when you're out they pull you back again, and uh, they cleansed it with a an incredible game and an inca- incredible finish. Like truly, an all time uh, full court, no timeout, buzzer beater finish uh, from Tyrese Hunter to 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 beat. You know, Texas's knock this year is they they hadn't beat good teams. They had beaten bad teams. Um, they'd beaten some mediocre teams, but they hadn't beaten good teams. Um, now they've won their past two games against ranked opponents, one of which on the road they basically rewrote they were out of like bracketologist predictions and that just all changed they were first four out i'm pretty sure and and they were first four out and then after the um the ucf game i they were first four out coming into the ucf game i saw them drop completely not even in that list in some predictions so uh this week we'll we'll change that for sure you get a, a you know a number nine and number 11 uh, win, one of which on the road that certainly puts you back in the conversation for things. Um, and it just shows this team is talented. And we've said that all year, even when they couldn't put it together, um, it just felt like they found ways to lose games. And this week it felt like they did the opposite. They went and handled business on the road against OU, but they found a way to win that Baylor game. Um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some turning point in the season there. Maybe, um, you know, we'll look back on on a little bit of a sobering home loss, a slap in the face, uh, as a wake up call for this Longhorns team. I mean, a literal and metaphorical slap in the face if you ask Rodney Terry because of the hordes down situation. We'll talk more about that later, right? But like, it feels like that was an inflection point. The season could have gone one of two ways, and it seems like this Texas team really decided uh, that it wasn't going to go the way that it felt like it was going. I think there were, I'll just like, there were conversations that I was having with people in various circles that were like, "Is Rodney Terry going?" to last the year is Rodney Terry going to be the guy next year and you know the the conversation of Crystal Conte didn't want to hire him he just had to because of the way the season ended well you know I some of that is true but also if Texas continues to win get ranked wins and again go on the road and beat beat ranked opponents beating your rival by 15 in their house that feels watching the fans put their coats on with two minutes left just feels absolutely sensational, right? So like seeing Dylan and Dylan D. Sue is I think rounding into form as part of that, right? Dylan D. Sue hits his first double double of the year, 19 and 10, and just looked um like the old Dylan D. Sue that we honestly wanted to see all year. Doesn't hurt that Max Aceman's hit 12 from behind the arc of his 22, right? So like they both had a really good night. I think, and we'll have to talk about this, but um is Chendall Weaver the the missing piece that texas has been yearning for all year long i mean i liked the guy when we signed him i I really if you go back and listen to our season preview i thought he would be a guy who could be an exciting change of pace to our established kind of more veteran guards but would be a key piece of the future of going forward um especially i mean ron holland continues to dominate in the g league and just make me sad um but basically he's the young guy you know guard who who maybe that's that's something of i don't want to put that uh on him of ron holland replacement but he came in and he's he's really an energy guy um he's you know lightning fast when he's locked in and engaged on both ends of the court um you know he's a guy who can transition run the floor he's a guy who can attack uh from a set 
defense. Like he can beat people off the dribble and get to get to the hoop. I mean, he does some things that this team needs, and he is kind of that that spark plug, and he he gives you good minutes. So yeah, I mean, if they're finding a little bit of a rotation, we've talked a lot about their bigs, but with their guards even, because um, you know Acemus is going to be on the court and he's going to shoot the ball a lot, and you know Hunter's going to have the ball in his hands. So is it is it that three guard rotation? I think they're still figuring some things out. Again, the Big 12 is no easy games, no no off nights, so you have to have other guys step up as well. But, yeah, he may be uh, kind of the sixth man for for the rest of the season who uh, figures things out, especially as our guy uh, Brock Cunningham continues to look uh, more likely to to foul more three-point shooters than make three-pointers or or maybe just generally have more fouls than points again, which, you know, sad to see is, is legitimately in play. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, the energy off the bench. Uh, it may be him. He may be the game changer that we need. I mean, when push comes to shove, like m- much love to, to what Brock has done for the program and been for the program for the past decade, what it feels like. <laughs> uh, but you know, he played 11 minutes, scored three points and had three fouls, right? Chendel Weaver played 27 and had 11 points. You know, the last game we saw of Brock, or at least in that UCF game, uh, he went over, right. And he played significant minutes. So that's not going to get it done for Texas. And I think, you know, Texas needs to have somebody more consistent and Brock is going to continue to be your glue guy and be your culture guy for, uh, in the locker room and on the sidelines, but you need more production out of that spot. And so there, you can't really, fault Rodney Terry for going in a different direction and if Chendall Weaver continues to be who he was tonight right who he was against Oklahoma I think Texas is going to really have that big x factor that they need so that makes six straight against OU six of the last seven uh, seven of the last eight meetings against the Sooners including five consecutive in Norman which is absolutely ridiculous Tyrese underscored just five tonight so the chase for a thousand continues they'll have to hopefully get those in Provo maybe on Saturday but Texas uh, doesn't get much easier it gets a little easier right the number is slowly getting bigger as they <laughs> go through uh, this run so they had number nine Baylor on Saturday then on Tuesday they faced number 11 OU on the road now they're going to Provo to play number 19 BYU on Saturday. That one again, BYU is a tough place to play. The Big 12 road wins, I believe. Um, there is nobody that is that is plus or minus more than plus or minus one over 500 in the Big 12 so far. Yeah. Uh, so it's just going to continue to be a ball of knives, street fight, whatever you want to call it. And te- I mean, in Texas, as we know, just Rodney Terry doesn't even doesn't even wake up for games that aren't ranked, that aren't nationally televised. So uh, the BYU game just predicted three straight ranked wins coming right at you. No, I, I, it will be a very tough game. They can put up points quick, but uh, I, I mean, Texas with with Aceman scoring twenty two in this one, and you mentioned um, Desu getting nineteen the past two games. Basically, he's uh, he seems to be finding something there. They they seem that they can put up some points as well. So um, tune in. It's you're back, baby. If you if you signed off and you said okay. I can get ready for baseball. I don't need to watch basketball. Sorry. Baseball's coming, but it's still basketball time. Uh, you still have weeknight and, and some weekend homework to do. Watch this basketball team. Like they're, I'll say fun, but they could be frustrating to watch. But when they're good, it's really fun. This OU game. Choice. Just when you thought you were out, they pull you back in hot take. Godfather 3 is fine. It just happened to yes. be the third movie yes. of one of the best trilogies That's correct, of Tiggy. all time. If it hadn't followed two of the greatest films of all time, we'd be fine with it. On the flip side, speaking of fine with it, number 10, women's basketball 
continues to overcome adversity going on the road to get a double digit win 76 to 66 over Oklahoma State. Four Longhorn scored in double figures. Texas gets its 1200th win in program history. One of just six squads to do that. Yeah, they, I mean, historical context there is is incredible, right? They they're a blue blood in, in women's basketball. We know that from uh, the Judy Conrad years, the, f- the first, you know, like perfect season basically uh, back in back in her day. Um, really put them on the map they've they've kind of settled into a ranked but not uh championship uh threatening team for for a while um they've had some tremendous players but uh this is this is the the pantheon this is Vic came to Texas because he knew what this program could be and honestly should be, and getting to 1,200 wins is is a big deal. Um, again, joining the, the the elites of the sport there. And speaking of elites, even without Rory Harmon, and I won't say that every week, I promise, Matty Booker continues to be one of the elite players in the country, just period. Not not freshman. She certainly looks like, if not the best, one of like two uh, best freshmen in the country, but looks like a, a All-American caliber player as a freshman. Um, she just continues to fill the stat sheet and do literally everything uh, well in that Oklahoma State game. Uh, 19.6 rebounds, 5 assists. Five steals. She uh, she won her third Big Twelve Weekly Award of the season. Big Twelve Freshman uh, this week for for her performance. Just um, continues to be must see TV. Maddie Booker and and the rest of the team, um, especially the the, the bigs, um, shaping up. You know, Texas changing their identity a bit. Uh, well, I won't even say that because because even with with uh, their their starting point guard, they were an inside out team for the beginning of the year. Um, but you know, getting some health there and continuing to to dominate folks inside and out. This is in spite of all of the injuries, still a squad that's modeled in, in Vic Schaefer's image, right? This is a squad that continues to be what and who Vic Schaefer wants to be. And it starts with Leah Moore, um, you know, doing her best to, to go home and uh, come away with the win, 17 points, eight rebounds. Uh, Taylor Jones hit a double-double, 18 and 14. Like, that's Vic Schaefer basketball, right? Crash the boards, be tough down low, just be the tougher, more physical team. Shea Gonzalez chipped in 15 as well, right? Texas out-rebounded. Uh, uh, has out rebounded 17 of 20 opponents, a 40 to 24 advantage on points of the paint, right? This is a Vic Schaefer basketball team. The only way it could be more Vic Schaefer is if they led the, the league or the, uh, the country in, um, in charges forced, right? That's the only way it could be more <laughs> Vic Schaefer. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and again, usually you say a Vic Schaefer team plays the great defense, uh, takes high percentage shots, gets in the paint, um, Presses you up the entire court, forces turnovers, but it's it's usually predicated as much as it is on bigs, and he's had some great bigs over the years. It's predicated on a point guard who can run it. So again, seeing Maddie Booker be that point forward step in for Rory Harmon has really truly been something when you think about what Vic asks of that position. But yeah, Gerald, you're absolutely right. They've dominated uh, in the paint, and um, I think if Taylor Jones is is fully healthy, right, that this team. Uh, gets real nasty with the bigs that they have, with Aaliyah Moore's ability to score, with Taylor Jones' ability just to be uh, a truly dominant big block, block shots, grab rebounds, score points, get in the post. Um, I think they 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 still have something uh, to to play for this year. Like we said, they they want to be in the, the the elite company, and they still feel like they can be, and and it's proving uh, to be so. So exciting uh, times they got. 
Baylor coming up in a little bit here for a little bit of a rematch, but uh, where they open Big 12 play with a loss. But this is still a, a really good team. I think that you talked about defense. I believe they were undefeated last year, something like when they didn't give up 60 points. I think they had uh, like 20-ish, 20-0, something along those lines. I believe they're 11-0 this year uh, when they don't give up 60 points. Just over 60 in this one, 66, but still got the win. Um, so Vic will have something to coach. You know, get them, get them under 60, you know. Uh, Still haven't lost when they've done that the past two years. So next up for the ladies hosting OU tomorrow or today, honestly, the day you're listening to this. And then Cincy on Saturday, hoping to keep this win streak going. Well, that brings us to the part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus and we down the 40. And we start with uh, the next most likely team to win a national championship in uh, on campus. And that's the track and field team went to the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. invite and won nine events, which I think they won nine last week as well. So uh, 18 events, 18 indoor wins in two weeks. Absolutely incredible run for them. Yeah, men's and women's both uh, looking strong in, in the start. Gerald, do you know uh, what city the MLK uh, Dr. MLK Jr. invite uh, takes place in? You wouldn't have put this in here if it wasn't hilarious, so I'm going to say Topeka, Kansas. I, I like it. You're kind of you're, you're, you're circling a little bit there. It is Albuquerque, New Mexico. I don't know if the great Dr. King ever made his way to Albuquerque. Um, truly don't, but I love it. I love it. Uh, you can celebrate his legacy anywhere uh, in the country. Um, I just I, I remember I, I was reading that on the schedule, and I was like, oh, Atlanta. Uh, nope, Albuquerque. Okay. Uh <laughs> Beat him in the alphabet. Beat him to the Dr. King uh, invite. But no, uh, this was this was truly for for Texas. Um kind of two top performers so far this season. Akelia Smith uh, made her debut in the long jump um, and, and of course, won putting up the best mark in the country so far this year. And then our guy, uh, the Biz, Yusuf uh, Bizimana, uh, posted the top mark in the So he gave him the business? He was giving him the business. After last week, getting the Big 12 uh, in U.S., TFCCCCCCCA uh, Athlete of the Week. This week is the Big 12 Athlete, uh, excuse me, for last week's performance, the Big 12 Athlete of the Week, but that was in a different event. This is the 800. He now posts the best uh, mark in the country in two different events in two weeks. So um, he is he's he means biz uh, this year. So we are excited to see him. I mean, we know Nuge is a, Bauer, is a Bowerman uh, watch list guy. Go ahead and throw Yusuf Bismana on there. Not to uh, overshadow him, but there were, uh, Kyle, seven other winners on mm-hmm. the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trinity Tomlinson in the high jump, the new Julio Nugentbauer won the long jump. Solomon Williams edged out at number second. Uh, Kaylee Thompson won the pole vault, second best in school history. Jeremiah uh, Newby got his second one of the year and a second best throw of his career with the number eight throw in Texas history. Throw in that circular disc, not the circular ball, but the circular disc. Marcellus Moore won the 60-meter invite final with the sixth fastest time in program history. And then Texas completely just took the podium with them. I believe they actually put it on the plane in the cargo <laughs> hold in the 300. Brian Heron, Christopher Brinkley, and Caleb Holbin all won first, second, and third. Next up for the track team Friday and Saturday this weekend uh, at the John Thomas Terrier Collegiate Classic at Boston. Boston University. So uh, mouthful there, but going to BU to run against the dogs. Number three, men's tennis drops an absolute heartbreaker to number one UVA. Uh, absolute like 
the rivalry continues. There's no other way mm. to say it. Mm. This is probably a preview of the national finals. Texas falls four to three. It was an absolute tight one. Um, doubles point could have made a difference. There mm. were other, like obviously that any of the singles points could have made a difference in a four to three win, but Texas isn't going to lose many doubles points this year. So that's probably where I feel like the missed opportunity was. Yeah, and I mean, every week we'll be looking to see uh, who who gets the wins and singles. Is it the brothers Baye, the brothers Braswell, or both? Right? You uh, you have effectively four of your 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 five uh, singles competitors are a Braswell or a Baye. Remember, joining PYB, we also have uh, I believe you say Gilles Arnaud, Arnaud, Gilles Arnaud, uh, Baye, uh, his brother. So um, the Baye's each got a win in this one. Only one Braswell, Micah got a singles uh, win. Spaziri dropped his singles match, which is shocking. I think that will be something that will uh, motivate him uh, throughout the season as they, you know, they lost in the semifinals in the year they thought they should have won. Spaziri and others came back uh, and, and other people transferred in for this year, uh, for this run, and it's, you know, the expectation is, all right, they got us barely. Uh, Woldiab went into the third set and couldn't quite pull it out, but they got us barely. We'll get them the next time. I, I have to think this only motivated. Great turnout from the fans uh, in this one for, for the home court advantage, um, you know, as close as it could be without winning it, unfortunately. Would have loved to win this and get that number one ranking, but uh, again, that will be that will be circled uh, for a rematch uh, in the in the postseason. Absolutely, and again, this is the rivalry will continue not just this year, but for years to come. Next up for the Longhorns hosting UTSA on Saturday as a part of the ITA kickoff weekend, uh, running all weekend. I believe it's Friday, Saturday, and. Sunday women's tennis heads to Cali down two of its top players and falls five to two in their season opener. The uh, weather cancellation against UCLA means that they come home empty handed, uh, hopefully at full strength when Baylor comes to town. Yeah, the number 21 USC, it's, I mean, if they were sick, it's almost better to reschedule that one. I think it's in, in late February, so a chance to be fully healthy. It's tough. You don't want to drop your opener, uh, but when you're in California, you're down your top two players it's uh, you know it's understandable so we'll see what this team really looks like when they're back at full strength this weekend all right gerald now let's take a look at the world through some burnt orange lenses and start it off with an award that tastes so sweet uh maddie skinner recently won the hondo award as the top volleyball player in the nation the the analog the analogy here would be like if there was a uh I guess Walter Camp is to the best football player as well, and Vince Young was very upset that Reggie Bush won that award over him, then did what he did in the Rose Bowl, and then they awarded the Heisman. I don't know if the Honda or the National Player of the Year in volleyball is considered more sacred. I'm going to say it's the Honda because that, that one came out, and, and we won <laughs> that one. Uh, but Maddie Skinner got her retribution both in the championship game as well as the deserved National Player of the Year in the one, right? This makes you eligible. Logan Eggleston just won it last week uh, as the champion of champions, right? Each sport out of 12 in the women's game picks a best player. Then they go kind of to a vote off to pick the one winner of winners. So this makes Maddie Skinner eligible uh, in, in each of the 12 sports that will be decided uh, next year, of course, uh, to see if she can be the champ of champs. Not only eligible for the super champ, but also now eligible to have her jersey question mark, her shoes, her sweatpants retired after winning this finger one. Finger tape, so retire her finger, finger tape. Finger tape, there it is. Finger <laughs> tape retired for this one. Big ups to her. 
Let's take it to football now, Joe. We have uh, a long offseason to talk about additions, but they're coming fast and furious at the moment. So we'll recap the most recent first. Um, as of, I believe, today, the day we're recording this, uh, maybe, yeah, this morning, uh, Texas football adding a little bit of beef. The, the position of most need that we have been watching, waiting, uh, hopeful, uh, desperate. I know that's. I don't know if we're there, but uh, <laughs> looking for some 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 bodies in in the center after that was a strength of the team last year. Uh, Texas adds uh, easy for uh, me to say. Tioli. Savea, uh, Savea. That's where we're going. T Sav will forever be what I call him uh, from Arizona by way of Vegas. Uh, of course, following the the now formed Polynesian pipeline of Texas, uh, new linebackers coach uh, Nansen uh, coming from Arizona. Following, I think he recruited him all the way from high school, so there was some some smoke as soon as that hire was made. But this is a guy who will enroll uh, for the spring semester and be listed as a senior after two seasons at Arizona and his freshman year at UCLA. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a big need for Texas. It's, a, it's obviously a one-year stopgap. Texas still needs to find some help at defensive tackle, but he is really solid against the run. I think he's probably better than Vernon Broughton from what we've at least seen from him, right? We're hoping that 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 uh, Big Allen, Big Vern have the uh, T-Sweat and Byron Murphy glow up for their final year in Austin, right? But so far from what we've seen, I think he's probably a better option against the run um, than Broughton. So Texas, he has a chance to, to play some significant minutes for Texas. You know, he's a... Um, top 150 125 guy back in the 2020 class like a lot of potential that he has the opportunity to fulfill at texas and texas needs somebody that can really be a dominant force in the run game so i think uh this is a definite marriage of convenience in the best way possible yeah gerald do you think we we have enough polynesians or we can always add more always have <laughs> more never enough polynesian especially in the trenches absolutely we got linebackers we got uh guys in the d line i'm liking it i'm liking this uh this should be a trend poly pipeline baby that's right that's right poly coach poly pipeline keep the polynesians uh coming to to austin he had i mean had a good year at arizona i i do love the idea i hadn't thought of it before you said it but they could have uh, a, a tandem called Big Al and Big Vern, um, which just sounds, I don't even know what you would call that. Sounds like the coolest, two, two coolest guys at the nursing home. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it, it, I don't mind replacing T-Sweat with a guy, T-Sav. So let's see how this goes. Um, Sadir Mitchell may have something to say there. Still added a body at a position of need. I think this is a big one. Maybe the biggest one of the week, though, Gerald, a a trend of Steve Sarkeesian saying, oh, you uh, you you wounded me last season. Well, I will steal uh, the the player you did that with. Um, he has done that with uh, Golden and other receivers. He now has, has completed uh, his catch em all with Amari Nyblak, who, uh, of course, haunted the Longhorns with some some catch and, and yak uh, in that Alabama game, even though Texas pulled it out. Uh, he now like many of his former uh, Bama friends, is a Longhorn. I mean, the Tuscaloosa in that campus, I've been there, absolutely gorgeous, but like, it's also in the middle of nowhere. It's so like moving from Tuscaloosa to Austin is not a bad deal, especially uh, for a guy like this who probably comes in and, and 
He's not. He is not Jatavian Sanders. Don't hear me say that. He's not Jatavian Sanders. But I think his ability in the pass game will minimize the drop off that we probably will see. Right. We he will uh, allow for Sark to continue to do those things and create those wrinkles. And we know how comfortable Quinn Ewers is throwing it to uh, the tight end. Now this is going to be a potentially iffy question. I wonder if he's any better than Jatavian Sanders at pass at, at blocking because um, mm-hmm. Jatavian Sanders as much as we love him had some moments mm-hmm. as a run blocker uh that probably left a little bit to be desired but that's neither here nor there the playmaking made up for it but uh, i also will um i hope he may help his name makes you uncomfortable kyle i want you to call him the african-american an african-american for the rest of our time together uh, <laughs> if you wouldn't mind doing that that would make me feel great uh nigh. um I, I i will not uh no he i mean he, you're right. Likely comes in is is tight in one, but I hope Gunnar Helm gets some run. I think he's already. Oh, he, he will is, for sure. He is a a willing and and able blocker as well. So they could form an interesting and unique tandem. I'm um, gonna be curious. Sark, just give him the weapons and let him figure it out. I also love the idea that all the all the worry about Sark becoming um, Bama's uh, successor to Saban. He just decided. Now I'll just I'll just take some pieces and and I've done that over the course of the years with coaches with players and just kind of kind of build Bama down here where it's. Uh, it's a little prettier. Uh, you were so, right, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I I welcome it, and uh, again, we'll we'll keep adding weapons and let uh, let the great uh, let the great Sark figure out how to use them. That's the good problem to have. Uh, speaking of weapons, Gerald um, Silas Bolden, Oregon statewide receiver. I think it spoke right as we were recording uh, last week's show. Um, but just as is kind of in case you missed that, um, a lightning fast again. Sark's preferred wide receiver is like a 10-200 guy. Um, you know, it's a, it's a track team that can catch. Uh, if you have agility um, as well, right? You think of a Keelan Robinson replacement a little bit here. Um, just some some change of speed flash special teams contributions um just an all-around spark plug uh kind of player that they a lot of teams would have coveted and made their uh their prize in the portal it is one of you know four uh, weapons that are added in in addition to recruits and players who are ready to step up in that wide receiver uh in in pass catching room so um the the embarrassment of riches continues yeah, I, I'm curious to see what role he plays in the offense. I think his probably unlikely bigger impact is going to be on special teams. He's a special teams uh, kind of ace. Special teams specialist feels like a weird thing to say, but like return man kind of situation. He is crazy fast. He's also tiny. I think he's like 5'8". Um, so he's got the opportunity. I'm just glad that Texas finally has one of those tiny, annoying, fast guys. Really, it feels like the right way to go. Yeah, I mean, we. I would love to always have one of those. That should be like we need a minimum of three Polynesians, and we need a minimum of one sub five eight, sub ten two uh, human being, <laughs> just fast, shifty, lightning, uh, uh, you know, skill position player, and then a big giant Polynesian uh, who looks like uh, the Rocks character in Moana. So I, uh, I love it. Um, keep adding those those archetypes and we shall continue to let the good times roll. Gerald, a couple other uh, bits of news uh, moving out of uh, the portal and into the high school recruiting 2025 defensive lineman Lance Jackson from Pleasant Grove uh, commits a 6'5", 245, uh, likely defensive tackle, defensive lineman for sure. Um, number 105 overall player. Uh, 
this name it may sound familiar to some folks how uh how might they know lance jackson uh so if you're not a recruit nick you may not remember landon jackson was one of the uh, elite edge rushers a few classes ago and ended up going to arkansas rather than university of texas and texas was in on him i believe when he hit the transfer portal but uh he was his younger brother lance was considered to be an arkansas lean because of that connection uh but coming to austin like his older brother should have yeah, it, it is the correct thing to do, and it is how you uh, it is how you have a much better quality of life. If you thought um, going to the middle of nowhere in Tuscaloosa was was bad, think about uh, going to the middle of nowhere in Arkansas. Um, but yes, the much much better choice, and hopefully the start of something special there. Uh, and making me feel even older, we now have <laughs> our first twenty twenty six. Uh, recruit in the books um, from the storied Alito program running back Racine Guillory, which is, I mean, like a video game if I've never, if I've ever heard of it, uh, tremendously named uh, for a ball carrier. Yeah, I mean, that is a create-a-player name if I've ever heard it, but, but um, he's listed as an athlete, but Tashard Choice was his recruiter, so that tells you everything you need to know. Uh, the 2026 rankings have not come out yet, but just look at the offer list, and you know who the kind of cat he is. Georgia, AM, USC, all of the right offers are there. Um, as a true, as a, I say true freshman, as a freshman, he played at Lake Ridge and only rushed for 770 yards. As a freshman, this is a, what, 14-year-old rushing <laughs> for 800 yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, as a sophomore, he, he moved to Alito and eclipsed 1,200 yards and 17 touchdowns. Also, uh, a little bit of a threat out of the backfield, that kind of um, pass catching. He doesn't do a ton of it. He only has, I think, like 20 or so receptions over two years, but still has some hands, can show it off, can score out of the backfield, which is something that uh, Sark likes to have in his offense. Yeah, I it just I completely agree. Can't wait to see him here. I love – I trust anything when Choice says – this is the guy. Uh, he's he's proven to be faultless and spotless as a recruiter of the running back position. Gerald, I was just thinking about it as we were closing out the uh, new new faces in Austin section, either portal or high school recruit. Um, we already talked about Kendrick Blackshear, but but uh, of course a Bama uh, player, and then Nye Black, and we we've talked about multiple others. And I forgot that I wanted to mention in this section the funniest tweet of the week to me, which was Keelan Robinson saying, <laughs> I, "I guess y'all took my comments in September literally," and it yeah. took me a second when I, I you I think retweeted that from the show account and it took me a second as soon as I saw that and you retweeted it quick um, before there was like a bunch of comments and then I realized what it was was of course if you like me were forgetting uh, K-Rob went to the <laughs> Alabama recruits uh, down in the end zone after Texas won in Tuscaloosa and told them to come on down to Austin and now he tweeted that they took his comments in September literally just excellent troll work just beautiful right like um keelan robinson will forever be a longhorn legend just because um of the of the amount of um longhorn swagger he has exhibited in his short time here yeah as well as uh one of the top five rappers while on campus easily um in, in ut uh football history let's keep it moving um good News, Gerald. I think when we talk about what starts here, uh, changes the world. Junior uh, kicker Bert Auburn uh, and uh, junior center uh, multi-year starter Jake Majors both getting recognition in the classroom, named academic All-American second teams. They, I, I thought this number would be a little bit higher, but the 26th and 27th Longhorns to earn academic All-American honors. 
I mean, yeah, 26th and 27th in uh, school history. So big ups to them. Jake Majors, um, you know, it's nice to have a, what, 60-year senior coming back to be your uh, fifth-year senior coming back to be your center going into the uh, SEC. And he's a smart guy at that, right? Um, so, yeah. Hayden I Connor, uh, where are yeah. you at? Yeah. Where yeah, are you at? Hey, I mean, he's taking aerospace classes, so it's okay <laughs> if he's not quite getting the academic All-American uh, numbers. You throw up a 4.0 in aerospace, you legitimately need to quit football and just go be NASA's smartest guy. No. Um, a couple more football notes, quick hitters. Sark to be inducted in the East-West Shrine Bowl Hall of Fame game. Good for him. The 99th Shrine. The funniest part of this was the the person being inducted. Uh, Sark is a player, I believe, it, not a coach. Uh, being inducted with him as well is. Utah wide receiver Steve Smith. Uh, what a pair. I love it. A BYU guy, a Utah guy, and and maybe no two different humans with different, more different personalities. I love it. Uh, there will be a couple Longhorns on hand uh, for that one to see their coach get inducted. Uh, Texas has, uh, well, two players playing and one attending. Uh, JT Sanders, Ryan Watson, then Jonathan Brooks will be there uh, attending the uh, the event. Yeah, and, and the uh, Longhorn Connection continues third year, or excuse me, three-year letterman and current Bears special teams coordinator Richard Hightower is coaching the East team. Uh, last uh, bit of, of uh, football news uh, at the college ranks. Former NFL cornerback and, and current Missouri State defensive back coach William Gay took a position as a senior football analyst with the Longhorns. Had a 10-year career mostly with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just adding to the, the room probably took the Akina spot. And finally, Gerald Longhorns in the NFL playoffs. Uh, Andrew Beck, Chris Boyd, and Hassan Ridgeway uh, fell to uh, Devin Duvernay and Justin Tucker on some Longhorn, Longhorn crime in the playoff as the Ravens beat the Texans. Uh, Duvernay had a, a near 40-yard kick return. Tucker, 10 points, perfect, 2-for-2 two two on field goals, 4-for-4 four four on point after attempts, had a long of 53. And in the other AFC game, Puna falls to Amenahu, uh Chiefs over Bills, of course, uh, because they didn't have a Justin Tucker to kick the ball. Uh, sets up an AFC championship of Chuck versus Tuck, uh, that's Omenahu versus Tucker, Ravens versus the Chiefs. The need to get Longhorns in the, the uh, Super Bowl. So I guess we're guaranteed one. There's none in the NFC, which, you know what, I'm an AFC guy anyways. But uh, so the AFC has to carry the flame. Just means the Ravens need to win it. Um, NBA real quick, just just checked in midseason. Kevin Durant currently top three in the NBA, three-point percentage, fourth in points per game. Our guy Jared Allen, 11 consecutive double-doubles on a real tear up to 10th and rebounds. Um, had a good game against the Spurs, which made me check his stats. He's been elite. Uh, Miles Turner, ninth in blocks. Of course, Wemby, first in the NBA in blocks. Keeping it rolling, five Longhorns selected to compete for the USA Diving at World Aquatics uh, in February in Qatar. Most of any program, one of only three with multiple people uh, there. It's a, uh, a small team, uh, but three current and two former Longhorns. Noah du- uh, Dupere, Haley Hernandez, and Bridget O'Neill are the currents, as well as Texas X's Grayson Campbell and Allison Gibson among the 21 USA Divers. Grad assistant coach um, Manny Pollard was actually uh, on the coaching staff, which uh, makes him the first black coach on a uh, USA Diving World Championship team, which, again, what starts here changes the world, right? Um, Texas's long history of uh, national coaching continues. And uh, big ups to Manny Pollard. 
Yeah, I love to hear that. Also, in, in Qatar will be Caroline Kupka, who's representing Norway, and Texas, that's current uh, swimmer, uh, diver Kupka, and Texas X, Paula Pineda, who will be representing Mexico there. Softball uh, picked, it's right around the corner, um, picked to finish uh, second in the Big 12 after, well, you know who, um, five preseason Big 12 selections was the most in program history. Big ups, a lot of youth uh, we talked about it last year. The team was young. Well, they're still young. Out of the five uh, picked, three sophomores, two juniors. Season kicks off in like a little bit more than two weeks. So uh, exciting times for them. To, a young team, but I think a team uh, that was young last year. So are they still like, can you still count them as young if all yes. of these sophomores played? Like that? <laughs> like they're young, but they're not inexperienced young. It's Correct. a weird spot to be in. Yeah. Young. Yes, yeah, so that's right. Young, but not in a bad way. Um Men's basketball signee Trey Johnson uh, and women's basketball signees Justice Carlton and Jordan Lee all named McDonald's All-Americans. Trey Johnson is the 23rd Longhorn on the men's side to earn the honor. Plus, of course, C.J. Miles and the aforementioned Ron Holland. So you could call it 25. They are signees who went pro. Um, but uh, Johnson is uh, top five in all of the major ranking sites. Uh, the coolest day in, in maybe Texas recruiting, but certainly women's basketball recruiting, was when both Carlton and Lee, uh, the number seven and number eight recruits, signed for Texas on the very same day. That means 29. Longhorns have officially earned the honor. Uh, two top 10 players, right? Number seven and number eight recruits signed on the same day uh, for Texas. And then um, they were among 24 men and 24 women, uh, which will be a uh, competing for all the French fries, I believe, is what the, <laughs> the award for that is. Um, but the 47th, wow, we are old. 47th yes. annual event in Houston uh, this April, which is absolutely wild. Uh, Gerald, one really cool piece of news just to close us out here with the burnt orange lenses. Uh, John Bianco heads into the College Sports Communicators Hall of Fame as two people who uh, are both uh, communicators in the college sports world. Maybe one day we can get on Bianco's level, but a guy who's been doing it for a long time. I mean, he's he's there for the Ricky Heisman run all the way through uh, currently. He's mainly football, but he's all over. You know he's all over track. Uh, that's what he competed in in college. Um, he, he's he's a, as much a staple of the UT Athletics Department as any person, right, and, and followed in the shadow uh, of Bill Little and and really has, has made his own mark, even though Bianco is much more uh, behind the scenes. Anyone who's ever worked, including both of us, with the Texas Athletic uh, Department knows, respects, uh, and congratulates Bianco. Heck of a dude, heck of a dad if you follow him on social media, loves, sure. his, loves his wife and kids. Um, I miss the mustache. Bring back the mustache, John. That's what we want really out of you. Uh, it was weird. It was weird after we left and, and we saw him and he had no mustache. That was that was an iconic piece of his look. But, uh, yeah, over 30 years, the guys, guys put in his work and continues to be one of the best in the biz. Gerald, let's take it home with our, our closing two segments. Godzilla Tron, what have you been watching on your giant screen? Yeah, and not a ton of watching done. Um, my wife is in the middle of a reread for a book that's coming out soon that she wants to get like the rest of the series done. So we're not doing a ton of watching new stuff. I've been reading as well. Um, so I tried to to start uh, the uh, 
Cosmere books. The The Way of Kings is the first one by Brandon Sanderson. It's like it's on everybody's like top five fantasy books of all time. I failed at reading this book like five times and I'm about to give up. It's going to go on that like that nerd homework list. That's just stuff I'm not going to get done. It's apparently incredible. I'm just not in the space in time to be able to read epic fantasy right now. I say that uh, maybe it's just I burned out on fantasy books. So I'm switching genres, uh, keeping it epic. Uh, the Expanse is a really great TV show. And so I'm reading the books. Uh, Leviathan Falls is the first of the Expanse series. And I am sucked in real, real quick. I'm also supplementing that I got myself a PS5 for Christmas, which has been a nice gift to myself. And so I'm catching up on all the games that I missed. Um, Spider-Man is the first open world game I have enjoyed since, I don't know, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, maybe. Um, so I'm really just, enjoying that game as well. Man, I need to get on that. I loved Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Um, I like that. Um, nice picks. Uh, Gerald, I watched two things that I'm kind of up on the, the trends right now, which I'm usually not. I finally watched Asteroid City, which... Um, was on some list of best films of the year uh, f- from critics. And and it really, I think, we're at the point where you either love Wes Anderson or, or you don't You really know care. your opinion on Wes Anderson, for Correct. sure. This very much was very much Wes Anderson. And, and this will not change a single person's opinion of him. I watched it on a plane. I don't know if that affected the watching experience. Um at all, as I was, I was uh, traveling to, to Mexico. Um, it, it's it's Wes Anderson. It's incredibly like quirky and beautifully made and um, specific. And and I like a lot of his films. I don't think it's one of his three best. Probably um, th- there were others that had a much much better and more cohesive story. It didn't really tell me anything. It was like a uh, really beautiful and funky and and fun and quirky shot and then it was a play within a play within a you know like very kind of meta storytelling um it just felt like it was too cute like they had the idea of how it should look and then they built a story around that anyways it's it's fine you could check it out i don't think it belongs on any best of list and then um, where i truly am on on trend my wife um encouraged us to watch saltburn and if you're not familiar this is a um I don't even know who is watching it. I would say the youths is probably the the assumption. It's on. Um, it's it's a streamer. You can catch it on. Uh, I believe it's Hulu. No, on on Amazon. I think. Um, it's clearly well made. Um, it's clearly very expensive. Um, it's clearly got the streets a buzz. It has uh, Barry Keoghan, the the Irish. Is that um, how you say his last name? Is it I'm, ju- I'm not sure. I don't know. I just. I, I, I don't know. He's Irish. I don't know. Our Irish listeners, please let us know how you say Barry Kay, the, the Irish heartthrob, um, who you've definitely seen in things. If you don't know who that is, you've certainly seen him in Dunkirk or if you saw Banshees of Inchirin, which is incredible. Um, he, he's just been in things. But he, if you haven't seen him yet, you're going to because he will be in seven movies that are big deals for the next 10 years. Like he's just that's where he is in his career. He's, gonna he's be who people deal. want Timothy Chalamet to be. That's absolutely right. And he's a good actor. Like he and he plays these like really brooding. He was the best part. Let me just say this. He was the best part of the film. Um, you know, there was some names that you definitely know. Jacob Lordy, who's the other kind of heartthrob young. You know, people seem to know him. Rosamund Pike, um, Archie. I don't remember his last name. The guy who also is in the Grand Turismo film. Unimportant. Um, it was a good cast. It was um, another weird story. It was very like vibes. Um, is how I would describe it. Like it, it, and and these. This is my opinion when I saw the trailer and going into it. Like, ooh, this is gonna try really hard. My wife hated it, and she was the <laughs> one who really wanted to watch it. 
Here's what I will say. I will give it like a solid six. Okay. Because there were many points that you're like, oh, this is, they can't do that. And they did it. They did every like ridiculous, oh my gosh, gross, cringe, over the top, lean in. Like at every moment where they had a choice of like, well, do we have him do the craziest thing? It was just yes. They just said yes at every point. And I kind of respect that. Like more than I thought I would, I thought this was going to be a four. I'll give it a six. Um, maybe even six and a half because I, I, it was shocking. There were multiple scenes that were literally shocking. Um, again, really beautiful to look at. Um, the story is kind of wild. Uh, I don't think it's a good movie, but it is, it is definitely a movie with strong choices that will make you say, wow, you probably won't rewatch it. I probably never will. Um, um, but again, he plays, it's a tremendous acting performance from him and a captivating, if like you can't look away because it's a train crash uh, of a story. Barry Keoghan is what uh, Google has told me. Barry Keoghan mm. is how you go with that last name. Mm. I, I like, if I want to watch a disturbing movie starring him, I'll just go watch like Killing of a Sacred Deer or Green Knight mm. or something. Both of those are actually good movies. But he's the guy who played the Joker in the new Batman. That's, that's who you're probably going to recognize him as. There you go. Um, yeah, so there you go. That brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Um, Gerald, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Max Asmus has moved into, like a, would feel like a, an echelon position in college basketball. He's now in the top 15 in all-time point score. We knew in the three-pointers, right, he was in, like, top five. He is he is an all-time uh, sniper. But you move into this territory, and it goes from, like, man, this guy made runs with Oral Roberts, and, like, now Texas fans will remember him, to he legitimately is a name that will come up in record books for years and years and years to go. He obviously is the active leading scorer, but he just continues to go up. This season, he has passed the likes of J.J. Redick, Allen Houston, Otis Birdsong, one of my favorite names in college basketball, Larry Bird, the other bird he passed, uh, the the Psycho T, Tyler Hansborough, Elvin Hayes, um, some all-time legendary names. And he's averaging currently uh, 17.7 uh, this season. This is before tonight's OU game. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. If he scores 17 for his remaining 12 that would include the OU game uh, he'll end up eighth uh, before postseason he will be in top 10 in scoring with a realistic chance at fifth it you know around sixth uh, which would which would be 3165 points would get him there I mean if they played uh, five postseason games uh, at, at you know his 17 to 20 point range that includes the big 12 tournament and also the NCAA tournament however deep their run goes, he could really realistically break into uh, like a top five, six, you know, seven all time in that top 10 all time score. That's it's crazy to think about it like that because he hasn't been at Texas his whole career. I don't think maybe he's getting enough appreciation. Of course, we know he can score this year, but he's an all timer. He has left ahead of him who he most likely barring any injuries will pass. Danny Manning, who my childhood was like mm-hmm. one of the all-time greatest players in college basketball history. Hershey Hawkins, Oscar freaking Robinson. Um, big deal. Like, give his flowers. Uh, they are deserved uh, to Max 
Acemas. I think I don't think Texas fans are, like are truly appreciating. Like it's awesome to get to see this guy play in Burton Orange. Like he is an all timer, uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, so I'm banging the drum this week on the state of journalism and the like. So there are a lot of things that are happening in the world of journalism. Um, I think like a, a hundred or so writers got laid off literally Tuesday uh, out on the West Coast a few days ago. Um, Sports Illustrated literally just shut itself down, laid off all its writers and. Um, those types of things. And, and like the, the print as we have know it, known it uh, was going away for a long, it was going away when Kyle and I were in college, right? So, like print was going away. They're talking about online media mm-hmm. and now new media and all that. But like um, part of the problem, and I'm saying this, you know, and, and whatever, we, this may get us in trouble, whatever, like as people who uh, worked, were laid off by SB nation, what, like a year ago uh, this time, um, it's not just that journalism is failing is that people are trying to make money off of something that should probably never be a money-making industry in and of itself. And they're doing it in ways that don't make sense. Like, Hey, let's cut all of our best staff members uh, to try to maximize profits, which the, the, Staff members are why people are coming to your uh, source, right? Again, SB Nation cut, um, shut down full cast, and lo and behold, didn't make any more money. Things got worse. Like, it's just those types of things continue to happen. Um, so whatever, you know, it's frustrating to see this industry go the way that it is. Um, you know, there are really incredible people out there. And I just wish I had, like, VC money to go in and, like, <laughs> just hire all of the old SB Nation people and be like, hey, just do what you were doing before, right? right? And we won't we won't make billions of dollars, but it'll be successful. I guarantee you that. Um, so with that, I want to say, like, uh, this is a shout out to everybody who I know a couple of you listen, but Kyle and I, um, we retweeted this from the, the, the show's pod, uh, the show's Twitter account a couple of days ago. Um, but if you know anybody that is interested in pursuing journalism in any way, shape or form, um, get them involved in student media. Uh, Texas student TV is doing its recruiting for the spring semester. Kyle and I are both alums of Texas student television sports. Um, and it's the reason why Kyle and I honestly have this podcast, right? I worked with some really incredible people, Dan Weiner, uh, Chris Thomas and Alec Romich. Those guys were our bosses at TSTV mm-hmm. and they're the reason why uh, Kyle and I were able to hone our skills in college and were able to go to you know I was at the Kevin Durant AC Law game I was at Colt McCoy games I was at Vince Young games I was at the Texas Tech Texas game and uh, that, that went down as one of the all time greats all because of the uh, willingness to put in extra hours right I uh, didn't just go to class I worked 20 hours I interned and I worked at Texas Student Television because I loved doing this and loved the opportunities and part of the reason why Kyle and I are able to do this is because of student media and so kyle and i are big supporters of student media uh love student media kyle was on the board of texas student media when he was at school uh and so like if you know anybody that's at not just texas but any school if they have an opportunity to do student media there is no better way to cut your teeth and to really get some experience at this yeah, it's it's not the, the the lucrative profession that it was in the the Rick Riley years, or you know the, those days are probably behind us. Um, but sports, like I've always said, box scores are fine. Sports are for narrative. They are for uh, the stories, the human elements, the things that happen in between the 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 ball being kicked and and you know the one team celebrating. It's it's the story is is why we enjoy sports and. Uh, as, as much as I am in my day job, a, a innovator and advocate and celebrant of uh, new technologies, emerging technologies, artificial intelligence, generative AI, whatever, um, hit me up if you want to talk about those things as well. Uh, <laughs> you will still need writers. Like this is a this is an industry that you can use those tools, but you will need humans who care, 
who know how to tell a story, who are responsible, especially now more than ever. We need, you know, capital J journalists to, to do the work, the validation, verification, responsible in how they're breaking stories and telling stories and protecting sources. Like that stuff and this craft still matters and will always matter. It may not be valued and valuated at the, you know, the way that these VCs who come in and tear these companies up want them to be, but it matters. I think this is an important one, Gerald, ended this on. Um, if you know a student journalist, if you have a couple bucks when you're donating to the university and you want to throw them the way of the journalism department, or uh, again, I always stand for Texas student media uh, and the board and what they can do across all of the, the, the medias on campus, uh, TSTV, the radio station, uh, the Daily Texan, the legendary and award-winning Daily Texan, the, the Texas travesty. I mean, there's there's tons of publications, some since that have cropped up since I was there. Um, support them, support student media, uh, give them clicks. Uh, Daily Texan journalists or, or, or gumshoe reporters on the beat. Uh, give them follows, give them clicks, give them money. Uh, support journalism at the the student journalism at the at the professional level. Support good journalism. And that's all we've got for you this week, Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carmen. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Follow me on Twitter at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram Longhorn Public. Shoot us an email. LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with more great Longhorn coverage. Thank you so much for tuning in again. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. UCF did horns down. Texas will not lose again this season.